I'm Amanda Wagner. And I'm Liz Pittman. And this is the Amanda Wagner Podcast. This podcast is the place for born leaders who are hungry to do something big, something that matters, and who are tired of waiting for an invitation to change the world. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and we share our experiences as women with impatient ambition. The world has enough fluff. This is your invitation to bring your worth to the world and do something that matters. In this episode, we reinforce that you can be authentic, vulnerable, and still have privacy. We talk about how we personally decide what to reveal and what to conceal. And we share how we find harmony between being vulnerable and keeping our boundaries. And in WWAWD, we answer a question about connecting with your community through Instagram stories. If you have been on the internet in the last few years, you know that authenticity is the name of the game. When we are looking at content, we don't like fake. And perfect grids are out and real life stories are in. The amazing cameras on our phones and the speed at which we can create content and posts and stories on the fly really lend themselves to sharing everything about ourselves. But what happens when you want to be real and authentic, but don't want to share at all? The short answer is you don't share at all. When we talk about authenticity, we talk about being true. And I've noticed that authenticity can get really mixed up with transparency. Authenticity has been confused with, you must share it all. We want to see the good, the bad, the ugly, the messy. It seems that people are responding more to this version of authenticity that says, we need to see 100% of your life. LP, this is a topic that you brought up when we were recording last time, and we've talked a lot about self-preservation and boundaries, but the question that we've faced and we know others faced is, am I being an authentic, am I being vulnerable if I still choose to keep things to myself? I am mostly an open book, and I always invite questions. I get to choose if I respond to them, how I respond to them, but it doesn't mean I put everything out in the world. There is a difference between being open and vulnerable and honest and sharing every single detail about my life. There are definitely things that I share with my close friends or when I'm asked, but decide to not make it part of my presence on social media, part of my presence or image in the digital space. And I think that's okay. Liz, I'd love for you to share why you think this is such an important thing to talk about and why we are the people to do it. I think this is a really interesting conversation to have because there are some online personalities out there who I follow and I really like them. And I think, I mean, I don't know this, but I'm pretty sure they share almost everything. And that's cool for them. But I think it adds some pressure to feel like we have to share a lot because they've almost set this, I don't want to say standard, but it's becoming a normal thing where where there's so much being shared about their lives. It feels like this is what we have to do too. Some things are better when they're just for you and your people, not your internet people. For me, the word sacred comes to mind. 
I think my online life is different than my in-person life. And of course the lines blur when sharing some things or major milestones or things that are happening in my life. But the, the LP in person is different than the LP on the internet. We talk about Instagram being a highlight reel. And while I am vulnerable and do share things about my life, it is still a highlight reel. I don't share, I don't share everything. Um, and I think it's really important to keep some of those things close to the chest. I love the use of the word sacred and I completely agree and where I think it gets challenging. And I would love to hear your take on this because you are a social media and a digital media specialist where it becomes challenging is where we get into this place of, am I not being real because I'm not posting it? Am I being in some way inauthentic? by not posting it or by not sharing it. And you and I have talked about the difference between in-person friends and internet friends. And you've been the person to say, hang on, my internet friends are still real friends, but there are just different levels of things that we share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, different levels of friendship. I think that the comparison trap is talked about so much. And I think that it has taken on a slightly different meaning. The comparison trap, uh, taken on a different meaning specifically for the conversation that we are having today. Comparison trap used to be, and in some ways still very much is, they have a, a better house than I do. They have a quote unquote better body than I do. They make more money, whatever that may be. But I feel like we're in a, in a slightly different branch off of comparison trap into they're talking about their day, they're talking about the struggles they had, and they're talking about the fight they had with their husband, and they're talking about the meltdown their kid had. Do I have to do that too? I feel like it's a different kind of comparison now, and, and I, I mentioned pressure. I feel like we never wanted to get to this point, and I don't think anyone who shares a lot is meaning to have this effect, but I think that there is adding a bit of that element to those people who are maybe trying to figure out what to do with their Instagram feed or what kind of digital presence to have is they think they have to wade into those pools as well. I think you're absolutely right. And when you dip your toe into that pool, it's like, how far do I go? Can I pull myself back? And I often think about this in terms of building a brand. As much as you know, I'm, I'm tired of talking about the idea of personal brands. I think, I think it's quite a saturated space right now. That said, I, I can see the irony here that I do in fact have a personal brand. The Amanda Wagner is that. Where it gets really interesting for me is when we're looking at metrics and statistics about what is most interesting to our audience, what is shared and liked and commented the most. When you're using that for your strategy, what happens when, a very personal example here, when the post that gets the most likes, the most engagement is my wedding photo that really has nothing to do with my brand. It, yes, I married a wonderful person, but my brand is not being a wife. My brand is not being a parent. Um, my brand is about ambition, supporting ambitious people, claiming your spotlight. Yes, I happen to have been married. And this is something that really used to get me in the beginning because I would put myself out and I would share these thoughtful things or things that I would consider thoughtful, big ideas. And I'm like, I'm finally brave enough to share this on the internet. And the comments I would get back are like, oh my God, your bangs are amazing. 
And in the beginning, it used to gut me. I'd be like, do my words and ideas have no value that people are just commenting on my crisp fringe? And so in some ways that, that jolts me. I wish I had an answer for what I was feeling, but more than anything, it makes me go, not, not everybody's going to respond to the same thing and that's okay, but it reminds me I still get to choose what I share. When I work with clients, I'm a big believer in looking at the data. So you look to see what your audience likes and then do more of that thing. That's what I always say. That's the sentence I always say. See what works, do more of that thing. But big asterisks on that, perfect example of your wedding photo. It doesn't really work with the strategy. So it's important to understand what your community wants while also knowing what you want. And what you said is so important that you have the power to choose. This is your feed. You get to choose what goes on it. You have the power to curate it. It's important to think about that end user and what's in it for them, but you have the power ultimately to choose what you share. I started reading a book called Self-Care. It's a novel by Lee Stein. I haven't completed it. It definitely has the feeling of some satirical social media. It's about women who run an app about self-care. And I was reading it just last night, Liz. I haven't shared this with you yet, but it perfectly encapsulated some of the feelings that I have around this idea of how authenticity has to mean transparency or let's call into question what does authenticity and vulnerability mean and i know this is a little bit challenging without context but the words were just so good and so juicy that i had to share she writes some of the most popular posts on the app were of white 20 somethings vaping on yachts or soaking in clawfoot tubs of sparkly lavender potion hashtag sorry i was late i didn't want to come these women were digital performance artists. They performed their rituals for other women to aspire to. They meditated for the photo op, the beautiful shaft of sunlight at the picturesque silent retreat in the Berkshires, their cosmic smoothie bowls garnished with chia seeds and dragon fruit balls, elevated nutrition to an art form. This idea of digital performance artists really called into question what is authentic and what is, is true. Because if those words mean the same thing, if authenticity is about what is true, how did that become inflated with this idea of you must share everything and truth has to be transparency? I don't think being truthful or being authentic or vulnerable means sharing absolutely everything. Liz, I would love to know a little bit more about how you keep your boundaries and still be vulnerable. And I'm going to share three things that I've come up with that have helped me work through this. So some of my boundaries, when it involves another person, and by it, I mean an idea, a picture, a conversation, I always ask. And the best example here is Robin, my partner. He is much more private than I am. He is not on Instagram. He updates his Facebook account about once every two years. So all of a sudden he puts up a new picture and people are like, oh my goodness, you still exist. And when I share things that involve him, I always ask. I want to make sure that even if I'm comfortable sharing something, he might not be. 
one of the other boundaries for me is I'm really committed to not creating noise. So when sharing or posting, I often ask myself, is this useful or am I just screaming into a void? And I use the language, do I just smell like hairspray in desperation, looking for likes, looking for follows, or am I really adding some value? And the number one thing that helps me with boundaries and vulnerability is to remind myself that I can change my mind. Yes, we have a strategy. Yes, we have a plan. But I always get to choose what I share in that day, in that moment. So I get to decide, am I going to give you the day in the life where I'm having a terrible day and I'm having a meltdown? I get to decide. And if I don't want to, it doesn't mean I am not being true. It does not mean I am not being vulnerable. I'm making a choice to not do it in this digital space. Liz, how do you juggle boundaries and vulnerability? Well, you saying you are committed to not creating noise, that's what I'm all about. Intention is the name of the game for me. I've said it. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times because that's, that's something I preach. If what I'm sharing will impact, enlighten, humor, inspire, educate, pique someone's curiosity, I'll share it. I'm a Gemini. I communicate. I like to share. I am a communicator. Like I, that's what I do is share messages. Uh, so I, I do share a lot, but I do have that in the back of my mind that it, it's got to mean something to someone in order for me to publish it. The vulnerability piece changes depending on the day and what I'm feeling, but I always have to consider my needs and my emotions first. Um, so yeah, it matters that I share something that will be relevant to my audience or to my community, but I come first. This is something I've really noticed in working with you because sometimes I will see something that I think is cool and I'll say, hey Liz, we should do this. And your number one question is, okay, why? How does this contribute? How do we make sure that this isn't creating noise, but instead creating value? And if it's not valuable to the people I'm talking to, maybe it's just valuable to me and maybe that's okay. But can I at least say, here's why I'm doing it. This is why it matters. To let you behind the curtain a little bit, a couple of the things that I choose not to share. And yes, I realize the irony of telling you the things I don't share and then sharing what they are. You like that, Liz? I'm yeah, sorry. I like that a lot. Yeah. It hadn't even clicked for me that that's what we were doing. <laughs> yes. I don't share a lot about health and wellness. I don't share a lot about mental health beyond talking about anxiety and sharing. Yes, I have a therapist. Yes, I have a coach. That said, if somebody I know, if one of my friends wants to talk about it, I am all in. But there has to be something sacred or private, and I really value that privacy in my life. So some of my values are around education and humor and communicating thoughtfully, and I still value having something that is just for me, just for my home, just for my partner. Even between you and I, LP, there are things that, that we just communicate to each other that never make it out into the world, and I love that. Can you 
let us behind your curtain and share some of the things that you've intentionally or unintentionally left out of your digital presence? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, and this is maybe a duh sort of thing for some people, is I'm really careful about safety. So, AW, you know, there's a very specific landmark out my office window that if I was to take a picture of that, people would know exactly where I live. So when I take pictures in my office or of my computer, I'm very careful to not have that in the photo because that would be a dead giveaway of where I live. Uh, and also like I'm very careful about if I am in a restaurant or somewhere and I take a photo, often I won't share until after I leave. Uh, I think that comes from being a, a member of the media. Uh, so I was a TV personality for a while and there are people that, you know, get attached uh, and want to know everything about your life. I used to have a blog uh, back like in 2010, 2011. Uh, and at that time I was growing my media career. I decided to, one, the blog was anonymous. My name was never on it. But then I decided to get rid of the blog entirely because I felt like I wasn't leaving a lot of spaces that were sacred to me. Uh, so, so that's something from my past, but yeah, I, I leave out specific landmarks for safety things now. And it's funny that you mentioned health and wellness isn't something that you share. I used to share a lot, a lot of health and wellness stuff, and I do still share some, but I think that I'm, I'm much more, I've taken my own medicine and I'm a lot more intentional with it than I used to be because I've done some work and learned about my community and how, and I don't, I don't want to use the word triggering, but the impact that the content I share can have on my community. I'm very, very intentional with what I choose to share. So that is something that I, I continue to do work on and really consider as part of my, my online presence. First on the health and wellness thing, this is fascinating to me because you and I have had really explicit discussions about what is it like when people are posting their exercise routine, their food every day, how can that impact the community? What does it say? And yes, I know that there are, are brands that are built around the health and wellness space. I also know that in some of the work that I've been doing in the last few months, health and wellness might not mean the same thing to everybody. And that's a space that I kind of sit back and go, I'm going to leave it to the experts here and I'm going to be a listener instead of a talker. And that is just something that I believe a lot in, in being an expert and knowing what you're talking about. And I don't, at that point, I think I would just be noise. That doesn't mean don't stand up for what you believe in. It doesn't mean don't share, but it just means know your shit first. And, and it's okay to just be a listener for a while. When it comes to safety, you shared something that I didn't even think about. You're absolutely right. If you shared the landmark, people would know where you are. And, and I think that's a really important thing. Robin and I have a nickname for our house. And that is something that we don't share because yes, if you dug deep enough, you could find out exactly where we live. And so those are the types of things that we keep pretty close to the chest. And it also just leaves something special. 
there's something really special about having our own names, nicknames that, that are exclusive to Robin, myself, and our cat Penny. And I love that. That's really special to me. When it comes to people creating personal brands, I feel like I might be a, a stick in the mud here saying your personal brand still doesn't have to share everything about you. Your brand can be personal and still have a strategy. And what matters most to me is that our listeners hear and absorb that they are allowed to talk about as much or as little as they want, and they can change their minds. LP, for people building an online presence or sharing about themselves in their marketing, as the media specialist that you are, what do you recommend for people who want to have a balance between the two? So I recommend considering what your content buckets are or your content categories are. So if you are trying to determine what is this going to look like for you or you already have an online presence and maybe you're susceptible to oversharing and having regrets, think about the categories of things that you'd like to share. So for example, if you're curating an Instagram feed, maybe there are five or six categories that you would like your posts to fall in. So maybe you want to share photos of the community you live in and the food that you've made, the cute things your kids have done, the travels, asterisks, and quotes that inspire you and then work within that and that can change you know maybe you do that for a month and you feel like you're not sharing enough then you can give yourself a little bit room to ex a little bit of room to expand but this is a place to start give yourself kind of a fence or a guideline to work within to protect yourself and see how that feels and then allow yourself room to expand to more buckets or more content within those buckets as you go along I love that. I think the idea of starting with just a few handfuls of things or content buckets, instead of looking at this, oh my God, I could share everything and anything. What do I really want to share? What's the impact? And then from there, like you said, try it for a little while and look at the data. This advice also works for anybody wanting to start up an Instagram account or any sort of social media account. Think about what those content buckets are, what those those things are that are important to you. And that's how you can start with planning your content as well. So you can use this to start off or if you've already started to what you're sharing. Being able to refine what you're sharing is really exciting. I know you and I personally have a meeting set up in the next few weeks to talk about how is our 2021 strategy different than our 2020 strategy. How do some of those content areas or those buckets change now that we are at a different level of, of engagement, different goals within the business? We really get to, to look at that again. For me, I go back to my favorite question, which is what do you want to be known for? I don't want to be known for how many baths I take. I don't want to be known for how cute my cat is. I want to be known for talking to ambitious people and helping them claim their spotlight. Given that, if I'm sharing something that doesn't contribute to that in some way, or I can't make a logical link to it, it probably doesn't make it to the feed. And it's really nice in this case to have somebody else on my team. I have LP who, if there is something questionable, I can run it by her first and say, here's how I think it makes sense. What do you think? 
it's very interesting as two people who consider themselves to share quite a lot. We have a mutual friend who we absolutely adore and realize that we know very little about personally. She keeps her cards pretty close to her chest and that works for her. There are times where Liz and I have said like, I wish I was more of a mystery. I wish I was one of those people who was kind of cagey and people left going, I had a wonderful time, but I don't know anything about her. And that's just not me. It's not me either. I, I adore this person dearly and I admire her so much, but she's a total mystery sometimes. Like I walk away from a conversation going, I just shared everything about me. <laughs> and not because I stomped all over the conversation, but that's just how this person is. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not a mystery <laughs> for the most part. Um, but I think she's super cool that she is. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And it, it takes all types of people, right? I, I would love to be, I forget what the woman from Seinfeld says, I'm an enigma in this beautiful voice. I'm like, oh, I dream of that. But also it's just not me. And even though I like my privacy, it does not make me any less vulnerable, any less authentic. It just means I choose what I want to share. And that is a good enough reason to keep some things close to my chest. So I would love to know from our listeners, what is your favorite thing to share? If you want to use a technical term, what is one of your content buckets? You're like, this is my favorite thing to share. And I go back to it all the time. We would love to hear why those things are special to you, why you choose to put them on the internet. Personally, I love sharing words and phrases that help me on hard days. Somebody who follows my Instagram, she calls it my, my post-it wisdom. And she says, I love your post-it series because those are the things I look at. And I say nine times out of 10, I write them because I'm telling them to myself. So those are some of my favorite things to post. LP, what are your favorite things to post? Well, a, a peek behind the curtain first on the AW Instagram is the post-it wisdom is loved by many. <laughs> That's a very popular thing on the Instagram. Uh, so I love that it's something that's special to you, but it is clearly special to the community as well. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for sharing. Something that I love to share, it actually depends on the platform for me because I am on so many different social media platforms. Instagram, I love to share photos of Mabel, my dog. I love my dog because she's a wonderful dog, but I also love sharing photos of her because of the amount of joy she brings others is extraordinary. I love seeing people light up when we walk down the street with her and she's far and above the most engaging content I have ever and probably will ever post on Instagram. Does that get you? I was going to say, I have mixed feelings about it for <laughs> sure, but she's so cute. I'll let it slide. Uh, so Mabel is definitely, if we want to get specific and technical, she's a content bucket for me. But I mean, I live in a beautiful place. I live on Vancouver Island and I'm a big nature and hiking lover. And I love to share the beautiful things that I get to see and experience because uh, I feel very grateful to live where I do. And so I love sharing that with others. So that's kind of what I love to share on Instagram, but you know, over on like 
places like Twitter and LinkedIn, I like to showcase my expertise. I love to share things that I'm learning and things that are newer that are new in the social media space because that's what lights me up and that's kind of what fuels me. So it's a very different sort of look on other social media platforms. For sure. It depends what platform you're on. And honestly, I know it's not social, but throughout the day, you and I text pretty much all day long. And I often send you screenshots or pictures of things that are happening in my life and they just don't make it to the feed. That said, on the day this podcast comes out, can we post the picture of me and Mabel and see how it performs? It's a great photo. I would be delighted to share that on Instagram. There are our examples of what we choose to share and why we love to share it. And you probably know this if you're following us, Instagram is our platform of choice. It lets us have a lot of fun. It lets us create visual content. And that is the place that we most like to play on the internet. Today's WWAWD, or what would Amanda Wagner do? Today's question works really wonderfully with the conversation that we've been having today. Our question comes from Shannon, who says, how do I talk more on Instagram stories? I never have makeup on and look frumpy and I hate my nasal voice. Do you want to start, AW? I do want to start, but then, but now I'm worried because we absolutely have an Instagram expert in the room. (laughs) So I am in the hot seat here. Number one, you're probably not frumpy and we often don't wear makeup. And I think I have the worst voice in the world and nobody's looking at that. So let's take that off your worry list first. My number one thought is how do I talk more on Instagram stories? You think about why. Why do you want to talk more on Instagram stories? Is it because other people are doing it? Because if so, I don't think that's a good enough reason. If it's because you want to find a way to connect with an audience, there are definitely ways to take some of the dread out of it. For me, I am all about reducing dread and increasing joy, increasing pleasure. Technically, for me, when it comes to Instagram stories, and it has taken me over a year to get more confident with them, it has all happened through practice. I do it anyway, even though I'm scared. So I call this 10 minutes of bravery or 10 minutes of courage. And I write down notes on a post-it note. I write down three little bullet points of here's the point of what I'm trying to say. I have 15 seconds. I have to get to the point. And more than anything, it's doing it, posting it, and realizing that the world did not implode. And often the things that I thought people might respond to, they respond to something else and I don't get to choose how anybody responds. So the short answer to your question is, how do you talk more on Instagram stories? You think about why and then you pick up that camera and you do it. Liz, WWLPD, what do you think? (laughs) Uh, My answer is similar. I've coached many people through Instagram stories and how to do an Instagram story takeover. And you, you just gotta go, you just gotta start. And if the thinking you look frumpy thing or not having makeup on is a concern and you can't quite push it off of the worry list, throw a filter on there. 
Some filters are so unbelievably altering that I hate them, but there are some really great ones out there. If you just want to like warm up the tone of your face, I totally get it. I'm the palest person on the planet. So I get the warming up of the tone if that will make you feel a little bit better. Something that can be helpful and AW and I, we don't do this for practice for Instagram stories, but we shoot videos and text them to each other. If that's going to make you feel a little bit more comfortable with talking to the camera, replace some of your texts with your friends for the day as a video instead and just text it to your friend. That might help. And another thing that is helpful on Instagram stories, you have to press and hold the button to talk. And sometimes when I've worked with people having to press and hold and make sure they're framed properly and all of that is just too much to think about. Use the hands-free option instead. So you can just like hit a button and it will record you or you can put it down on a counter or whatever. Slow yes. down for a second there. What is the hands-free option? Because I have been holding that button and I, yeah, I guess I've never told you this. <laughs> Rude. When you're Tell in, us now. When you're, in, when you're in Instagram stories, uh, if, if you want to follow along and open the app now, you can. And when you open the stories, you have options to create a boomerang or do a layout or all of the different options should be listed there. One of the options in that list is hands-free. So if you select that, then you just have to click the button to start recording, click the button to stop recording. And it's just one less action you have to actively be doing while you're also thinking about what you're going to say. So it just makes it a little bit easier. I, I find that has worked with people that I've worked with in the past. One less thing to think about. Also, uh, just other little tips, find a window, get yourself some good lighting. I have really nice lighting in my office and anytime I'm going to be on camera, I shoot in my office. Uh, and then if you want to find a flattering angle, just looking slightly up at your phone will be a good angle for you as well. Amanda mentioned she writes out notes for her Instagram story. A really important thing to remember is an Instagram story is still a story. It should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So if yes. you think about the structure, that should help you articulate your thoughts to think about taking people through to the, the, the end of the story. That is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever given me, starting from what's the introduction to what's the point. And personal plug, this is just something that makes me, ugh, ugh, that's how it makes me. It annoys me when the first 10 seconds of a video is, hey guys, I'm just popping on because you all are asking me, just cut that and get to the point. Liz, is that just me? No, it's not just you. Our time is precious and our attention spans are short. Uh, so get to the point uh, and make it work. Actually, uh, I teach a course and tonight we're talking about video and I will be teaching my students about the silent movie test. And the silent movie test is if you're to watch a video online, the first 10 seconds should grab your attention and you should know what's being talked about as if it was a silent movie. So I, I encourage you to think that way when you're creating your Instagram stories, um, is think about a silent movie test. If someone's watching it on mute, does it engage them? And does it make sense to them? 
This is fascinating. Shannon, I hope that gives you some insight into, for me, reducing dread and adding why. And from Liz, so much more of the technical advice, the theoretical advice, and some on the ground feedback of here's how I teach other people. I really hope that that is helpful. Thank you so much for your question, Shannon. Please keep sending your questions our way. This was actually our last WWAWD for the year because we won't have one in our last episode of the year. Stay tuned for two weeks from now for that very, very special episode 25. But please keep sending them our way over the next few weeks because we will tackle them again as we head into 2021. You can send them on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner or visit theamandawagner.com and submit them through the contact form. Once again, we would love to hear your favorite things to share on social media and why. Tell us about your favorite content bucket because we want to know more. And we will, of course, put the picture of Mabel and I being very cute on our Instagram, and we would love to see you. Please join us on Instagram at the Amanda Wagner. Sign up for the monthly newsletter at theamandawagner.com, and we would love for you to share this episode with a friend or leave us a review. Thank you to Kathy and the Shop Harrow girls who recently left five-star reviews with their beautiful words. They are so much appreciated, and Liz and I definitely have little moments of squealing to know that we are making people very happy. They definitely, definitely make our day when we see those reviews. As mentioned, we will be back in two weeks with episode 25, which is our last episode of the year. Oh my goodness. Woohoo! I know. So excited. Uh, until then, friends, we will see you on the internet.